Yep. But enough about my depressing life. How about some depressing animated life? Yeah, like this is such an uplifting movie. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Except for the psychedelic toys, you know. My God, yeah. fucking teddy bears dancing. Ah! Giant teddy bears coming to attack me. You know, I'm not, I'm not one to, uh, you know, play on stereotypes and all that, uh, you know. But this is an anime that really could have used some giant robots, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just putting it out Something. there. Something. You know? <laughs> big spaceship, guns, anything. Planes. Maybe, maybe, had, had yeah, a big chi- space gun. Yeah, we chi- had chi- was chi- one big laser called Saul. Oh, wait, Saul. Saul, the satellite of love. Better call Saul. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Anime Freaks. I am your guest co-host this evening, Mr. Luke Giaconetti. I'd like to introduce my co-host, my fellow guest co-host, Mr. Adam Worth. Hello. And the first regular co-host, Mr. Gene Hendricks. Hello, all. And the other regular host, Dr. Bill Robinson. Canada! Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Tattoo! And, uh... (laughs) In case you can't guess from that, we are here to talk about the uh, possibly the most well-known and well-regarded anime film of all time. We're talking, of course, about 1989's Akira, which Akira my daughter thought was about her. <laughs> Your daughter thought was about her. Well, you know, you do you do post some weird crap on Facebook, Gene. I'm just <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there for what it's worth. Well, I said uh, this is what I'm going to watch. Said, oh, can I watch that? No, <laughs> but it's about someone like me, you know, Akira. No. No, no. Uh, no, see, tell her it's about a singular Kira, not two Kiras, so you can't watch. It's like no, no, <laughs> no homers, homers allowed. allowed. One homer is fine. Uh, so, uh, so I guess uh, we get started, uh, uh, Gene. Since since uh, you brought it up, how, where did you get introduced to Akira? I got introduced to Akira in college, actually, um, when I was, I guess, a sophomore in college. Uh, it was one of those things where. Eventually, I found people that liked anime as well. In fact, we went to one comic book store in downtown Pittsburgh that had an anime video section, which was something that you really had to hunt out in the mm-hmm. early 90s. Yeah, that that was that used to be a thing. And I think um, I want to say Tom was it Tom Panarese and uh, Michael Bailey recently were mentioning that, that there used to be comic shops that had like little anime rental sections in them. Right. Because that was a thing. And you a lot of these animes from that era you could get through the comic book distri- uh, distributors. Yeah. So one of the, uh, I think it was one of my fraternity brothers actually had said to me, Oh, have you seen Akira? I said, no, I haven't heard of this. What is it? And I said, Oh, well you got to watch this. So we, you know, popped in the VHS and watched it. 
And it was one of these movies that it was it was definitely the bloodiest anime I had seen up to that point, which having, you know, led a more sheltered life as far as this stuff goes, wasn't that hard to do. <clears throat> Legend of the Overfiend. <clears throat> Sorry. Sorry. Did I say something? You were in, I, you I were never in the Navy, this. Bill. <laughs> and that still, was like Tuesday for you. Still, a group of Navy guys sat there and went, what the is this? Oh, Put it on again. <laughs> Still, it's, it's it's scarred me. I'm scared now. I'll never so, be able to have demon sex. Wait, did I say that out loud? Okay. <laughs> and so, Gene, so you saw it in college. Yes, okay. I saw it in college. <laughs> and that, I think I saw it maybe twice then, and watching it for this show was the first time I've seen it since. Mm. So about 20 years have gone by. Uh, what, what about you, Adam? All right, so I remember exactly. Uh, it was 1990. I was a sophomore in high school. Uh, I took a lot of the video and film editing uh, extra classes we could at our high school. And some of the senior kids, some of the senior guys had uh, uh, were in the class because it was a multi-year class. And one of the assignments was to create a music video. Um, and they had taken footage from Akira and used it as part of the music video they did. And the song they chose was Don't Let It Start by They Might Be Giants. And this was just a small clip that was put into this video. And I looked at it, I go, what is this? I had never seen an anime before. I didn't even know such an animal existed. I mean, I, I'd grown up on Looney Tunes and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and um, all manner of uh, Hanna-Barbera cartoons but I'd never actually seen an anime. So that art style was just, it blew my mind. So I had to, of course, go and hunt it down. And it, it took me some time to find it, but I found a VHS copy and I watched it. And it, I, like I said, blew my mind because I'd never seen that style of artwork. I'd never seen actual blood in a, uh, in a, in a cartoon before certainly had never seen that level of, uh, storytelling. I think I got a little bit nauseous during the, uh, the one scene where the, uh, uh, the, the, the kids are, you know, you know, and the, the one's a car and one's a bunny rabbit. Yes. And one's a, oh my God. It's today, this day that still just kind of freaks me out a little bit. And of course it was the first time I had ever seen boobies in a, a animated, uh, and that was my introduction to you know Rule Thirty Four, and you know it hasn't stopped since. <laughs> Is that out loud? Is that too much? No, no, it's it's appropriate. It's a two true freak show. <laughs> sure, fair enough. And uh, so okay, and uh, what about you, Doctor Bill? Uh, the first time I saw it was a about a year or so after I was out of the service. Um, I think it was it was prior to me getting married though because I was still living by myself and I had a friend over, a good friend of mine from high school, and um, he had actually just got out of the Navy too. And we were always we all watched a lot of stuff together. Uh, very sarcastic. He 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 and I began watching um, MST3K together. So so we're watching this each for the first time. We're sitting there drinking, uh, actually having cookies and beer, which was. I don't really have that much anymore. Wonder why. Wonder why I'm diabetic. But anyway, um, <laughs> so the opening scene. Now, my friend is very, very. This, this is one thing that sticks about the movie, and it popped back into my mind when I watched it today. My, my, 
my friend is very sarcastic. And the opening scene where it says Tokyo 1988, and then boom, that big what you believe to be a mushroom cloud, but we'll find out later was actually a psychic, like a psychic explosion. And my friend John just turns to me and goes, man, those Japanese just won't let that go, will they? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, wow, man, that's that's pretty dark. (laughs) So that just kind of set the tone for the movie. You know, uh, but, but this, yeah, the first time watching this, and, you know, the same scene when, when, the little psychic kids who are, well, the one older, a little bit larger psychic kid, to me, always looks like Louie Anderson. I, got, I have the exact <laughs> same note. It's little okay. Louie. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Louie Anderson and Charles Xavier. <laughs> Louie Anderson and Charles Xavier have a child. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm sure you can find that if you Googled it. Yes. <laughs> it's it's got to be out there somewhere. Yeah. So so um yeah that that whole scene where they're taking the toys and mashing them together and creating like the giant teddy bear and the the giant bunny construct and there's it's milk coming off of them but for, I'm like what the hell is that white stuff? What the hell's going on? Yeah. What am I watching? This is strange. Uh but it's so detailed and and, and it's it's so uh, I was reading some notes about this and it was one of the first movies, you know, the first animes that like everybody's talking on the screen at the same time. Whereas in like a lot of cheaper anime, only one person will talk at a time and everybody else is just stock footage standing still. Which mm-hmm. there's so it's like you're watching a live action film, yeah. but it's animated and it's it's uh, yeah, it's that was the first time I, I had seen it. And then I saw it a few years later when I bought the. Um, um, I bought the Steel Can uh, DVD set, I want to say, back in the early 2000s. I picked that up, and I watched it about two or three times. And then I'd say this is either the fourth or fifth time that I watched it, and that was this morning. And it's yeah. it's it still holds up. It's still I I was riveted through the whole yeah, – I, I got up at 5.30, and, and, and I was thinking, I got to watch this because I don't know when I'm going to have any time today to watch it if I, if I stay up and watch it, I can still get another hour or two sleep. So – but – I didn't fall fall asleep. I just laid there and I just watched the whole thing. It's like it's still awesome. Still holds up. It's a great movie. See, I was introduced to Akira, and see, I, I had known um, a bit of anime and seen a few anime films because as a kid, I remember watching uh, Warriors of the Wind, which of course is the edited down version of Nausicaa of the Valley, and uh, and then I also had uh, the the edited down version of the of, of the Ultraman, which was. Uh, the first Ultraman anime, which is edited together from episodes of, of the Ultraman, which features Ultraman Jonius. You can, you can understand why I like that one. Uh, but by the time I was in like middle school, I was working at a comic book shop and a video store called comics, cards and video stop. And at the time, sci-fi started doing their Saturday anime. And this was where I first, this was, you know, kind of when I was starting to really get, get into this, the, you know, the new con, the, the idea of anime, what it was in the, in the early nineties like that. And that's where I saw films like Robot Carnival and Lensman and Ape Man After, which really kind of got me, you know, really into it. And then they had Akira as a rental at the video store that I worked at. And by 1994, they were going out of business. And so everything must go. So the one movie I bought was the Streamline Pictures VHS release of Akira, which is still the only copy of it I own. This was the original release in English here in the United States. And it's still got number 2627, which was the rental number on the case here. I'll hold it up to the mic for everybody to see. 
And uh, yeah, so I so I was introduced to it. I was already kind of uh, in in line to be kind of an anime fan, which is funny because uh, as we've talked about before, I kind of fell out of anime by the time I got to college because of the uh, the uh, you know the idiotic otaku wars between anime fans and tokusatsu fans. But that's a that's a topic for another another discussion. So I first first saw this when I was fourteen, and I really enjoyed it. I was kind of the same boat you were, Bill. That what the hell is going on? I, I don't know. I could process a lot of it as a dumb fourteen-year-old, but I've come back to it over the years and uh, watched it, uh, you know, several times uh, since. And I really enjoyed it. It's it's it's, uh, it's one of those ones where you don't. It's it's over two hours long, and you don't realize that because suddenly you're half an hour into it. You're like, holy holy crap, this is really moving. You know, it's it's kinetic. There's always something happening. Um, you had said that it's one of the first ones that always has multiple people talking on screen. This is also, and, and one of the early animes is if you go back and watch, um, you know, anime shows and anime films that predate this, there's, especially on the shows, there's a lot of kind of static shots with a little bit of animation in them or reused mm-hmm. cycled animation. Cause that's cheaper. Whereas here, every, all the backgrounds have motion in them. There's no static scenes in this. And there's always some kind of motion somewhere on the screen. So, yeah, I, I really appreciate getting a chance to rewatch this. It's been a couple of years, so uh, yeah, very, very cool. All right, do you want to go into a synopsis for those people that haven't seen it? Uh, yeah, there's. Um, do you have a uh, link to the? Yes, I do. Okay, guide up right now. I actually have something else for that uh, uh, that box set you were mentioning that came out in the early two thousands. Oh, okay. So in the early 2000s, uh, they did a, a remastering and re-release. Is that correct, guys? Yes, it yeah. was 2001. Okay. At that time, I was working in ad sales at a group of radio stations. Our mom's radio stations. The core demographic was 24-year-old women, so contemporary. And the uh, promotions manager... Uh, that was in charge of assigning different prizes to the radio contest comes to my desk and says, hey, uh, we just got this as a as a giveaway. And I know you're into this stuff because this was before geeky stuff hit main culture. So I was still the odd one out. Now, all the stuff that I loved growing up is now in vogue. Uh, And they brought me the new version of Akira. And I said, wow, Kira, that's great. Where did you get this? Oh, well, this, we just got a whole uh, bunch in stock and we're going to be giving them out as prizes. But I haven't watched it. Is it appropriate? And I looked at her and I said, no, 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 it's, it's not appropriate. Well, it's a cartoon. I'm like, yeah, but it's, it's really not that kind of cartoon. And I had to explain to her in very delicate and, you know, kind of keep my composure with, well, you know, it's very violent and there's cursing and there's blood and there are couple of nude scenes and it's really good if you're into uh, you know this kind of a movie but uh, you know uh, a 45 year old woman you know in this in you know 2001 is not going to appreciate this when she calls in and is caller number 10 like that's not what she's going to want to take home with her yeah so that's how i got the copy of the film that i watched earlier this week in preparation for this podcast that is that is funny, and what's interesting about the remaster is that also they did and uh, did a new dub. Yes, and I, so um, uh, in in that dub, Kaneda is played by Johnny Young Bosch, and Johnny Young Bosch, best known to uh, one subset of fans as Adam Park, 
the second Black Ranger from Power Rangers, who mm. also was the uh, Black Ninja Ranger. He was the Black Ranger in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie. He was the Green Zeo Ranger and the first Green Turbo Ranger. But Johnny Young Bosch, after his work on Power Rangers, uh, transitioned to doing voice acting. Uh, probably best known in this country, I'd say, is playing Vash the Stampede in Trigun. And he also plays Nobu in Doraemon, which is hilarious to me. That Vash the Stampede is Doraemon. I don't know why we got to get ethnic about it. I mean, I don't really see color when I look at the Rangers. They're all Rangers. No, no, no. He's, he's the Black Ranger, the Black Mastodon Ranger. Then he becomes the Black Frog Ranger, Black Ninja Ranger. Sir, that is offensive. He's the Rabbit. African American Ranger, damn it. No, he's not. No, that's not. Cool. I know. I know. I know that you know. <laughs> and I know, I know that you, that you know, know that I know. Yeah. But, uh, hey, no, everybody loves Johnny Young Bosch and, and Adam. He was the guy that came back and morphed with the broken coin in, in space. And then he led the legendary team of Rangers in Operation Overdrive. So, uh, I, I, like I said, I still I still think it's funny that he voices Vash and Nobu. That is, that's kind of bizarre <laughs> if you know anything about either Trigun or Doraemon. I like and it. If you're listening to anime freaks, I'm going to assume that you at least have heard of those names, even sure. if you haven't seen them. Sure. Uh, yeah, but the 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 cast of of the uh, 2001 version is like a who's who of voice actors uh, that do anime. Um, uh, Kay is is Wendy Lee, who has done. I mean, she was Faye Valentine on Cowboy Bebop. She was TK on Digimon. You know, uh, she mm -hmm. was an Outlaw Star. Yeah. She was in Bleach. So uh, all all names that you would. Uh, she also, and ironically, also voiced Scorpina. In Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. So you see, it all comes back. Heim Saban bringing people together. Uh, <laughs> Building bridges, as, making friends. As cheaply as humanly possible in an effort to make money. That's the way Saban rocks. But we're not here to talk about Heim Saban. That would be more appropriate for my show. We're here to talk about Akira. So uh, um, I think, like I said, we, we need some kind of a synopsis. What is, what is this film really about? Well, uh, Gene, do, do you want to maybe we'll do a paragraph at a time? Sure. And well, that way we can discuss, like, do a paragraph, discuss it? Yeah, that, that would probably work well, because otherwise it's going to get really boring. <laughs> yeah, because you can read the whole thing, they're going to just yeah. jump all, all over the place. We can just talk about that one paragraph. And then, if you want, we can all take turns reading paragraphs or something, maybe. Why don't, and take turns yelling Tetsuo and Kaneda. <laughs> <laughs> True. All right, so I'll lead us off here. In 1988, a psychic explosion destroys Tokyo and initiates World War III. A new city called Neo-Tokyo is eventually built in its place. But by 2019, a year before the city is set to host the, 20, the 32nd Olympic Games, a dystopian metropolis is gripped by anti-government terrorism and gang violence. One night, teen delinquent Shotaro Kaneda and his... <laughs> and his motorcycle gang, the Capsules, battle the clowns, their rivals. During the fighting, Kaneda's best friend, Tetsuo Shima, crash <laughs> crashes his motorcycle to avoid Takashi, an esper with psychic powers who fled from a secret government laboratory. Colonel Shikishima, Shikishima of the Japanese Defense Force, assisted by another esper called Masaru. Oh, yeah, Anderson. <laughs> Escort... <laughs> Escorts Takashi back to his home and hospitalizes Tetsuo. When Kaneda and his gang, I was waiting for that, and his gang are interrogated, he encounters Kay, a member of the revolutionaries, and arranges her release along with the capsules. End paragraph. 
Hey, I'm only 25, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, don't call me old man. <laughs> oh, no, pops. Don't call me pops. Don't call me pops. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the uh, and like, I tell you what's what uh, the thing that immediately stuck out to me though, I, and I when I watched this, and it, it immediately brought me back to watching it in my parents' living room when I was fourteen, and it's a visual thing. At the beginning, when the capsules and the clowns are are racing along the streets, the tail lights, the tail lights, yeah, mm, yeah, that, yeah, that is that, leaving yeah. after him when the, because of the, to show the speed. That that was where I kind of kind of sat up and say, like, okay, this is even different than the other anime that I'm familiar with, yeah, just from a visual standpoint. Something special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, the whole the whole uh, you know Bosu Zoku uh, culture, the motorcycle gang culture, was another thing that was funny because that was something that I actually knew a little bit about because one of the reasons for the enduring popularity of the Kamen Rider franchise is the strength of the motorcycle culture in Japan. Motorbikes and motorcycles are very popular because it give, they're smaller, they're more fuel efficient generally than cars, and you can use them in you know very dense urban areas. And so naturally, uh, a lot of uh, youths, youths, two uh, youths, <laughs> I'm sorry, did you say ute? Uh, well, kind of gravitate towards motorcycles. We saw the same thing in uh, in the United yeah. Kingdom after World War II right. with the motorbikes and motorcycles. So, of course, naturally, what when a bunch of youths get together with this, they form gangs. Uh, so, to me, it was it was interesting to see that. And even though that this is clearly a dystopian version of Japan, this is Japan in 1989 that was still really, um, you know, still feeling the effects of a decade's worth of economic recession. Um, there was a, a very strong dystopian kind of mindset with a lot of the fiction that was coming out, especially the science fiction coming out of Japan. But even then, they're still going to love their motorcycles, even even after, uh, you know, World War III. So I thought I always thought that was clever. Yeah. Well, I didn't know that that was such a big thing, and maybe that's... Um... I kind of always wondered in the back of my head, like in the third, in the third part of well, over in America it's Robotech, but in the third, we'll call it chapter of that for the American version, a lot of their their mech were motorcycles. Yeah, that they could. That's you know, that's it was like the, a the the Invid, right? Yeah, yeah, that was when they fought the Invid, and there was like this one one man motorcycle that was like would form into a suit around the driver. And I was, I was always, I, I never really, never really thought about that connection to the motorcycle gangs here in this movie, and that mm-hmm. maybe that because that would be about the same time frame because Robotech actually would have been a couple of years prior. Right. Yes. To yeah, Matt. Ma- yeah, Macross would Macross have been. Macross was in the early eighties. At least yeah. three or four, yeah, or or more years earlier. Yeah. Well, like I said, a lot of that, a lot of that, I think, uh, kind of got codified in the popular culture from. A common rider, but you see that in animes going back even into uh, you know into the 60s and 70s mm. with the idea of the hero on the motorcycle. You know, um, um, even earlier than common rider, Kikider rode a motorcycle on his show. You know, it was it, it was much the same way that motorcycles kind of became a cultural icon of the young culture, the young you know subculture, uh, anti-authoritarian, anti-establishment. You know, in in Japan, being anti-establishment means a lot more in some contexts than it does here in the states. You know, I've I've used this example before, but it's such a perfectly illustrative uh, statement that I like to come back to it. You know, the the the, uh, the kind of the cliche that we say here in the West is that the squeaky wheel gets the grease. In Japan, the equivalent saying is the nail that stands up is hammered down. You know, so the the idea that uh, you know of of being counterculture and being uh, you know. Uh, 
anti-authoritarian and rebel without a cause, that's a culturally that that's a very big deal in Japan. And one way that, you know, is the same way you see the guys tying the belts between their knees and, uh, you know, all that uh, kind of stuff now that through anime and tokusatsu has become kind of cliche, but, uh, you know, that that's how they did their rebellion. So it makes sense that our, you know, gang of anti-heroes here in this, uh, you know, post-apocalyptic future would be a motorcycle gang. And you know what struck me when I watched this again, that, you know, this being a, post-apocalyptic future it's set three years from now yeah the far future of 2019 <laughs> is three years away i had the same note <laughs> yeah i feel so old <laughs> we wouldn't yeah, be I'll... the young motorcycle gang we'd be the uh maybe the guys you know carrying the fat guy on the uh on the uh, thing around, ah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, drawing paint in the ground. <laughs> yeah, we're no, the road I, fanatics. I, yeah. I, I, al- I always love that when you get, you know, the far-flung future. Gene, you and I have talked about Thundar the Barbarian. Oh, before. yes. <laughs> ook, Lada, year, ook. In the year 1994, a comet <laughs> passes between the Earth and the Moon. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> It was Haley's Comet. Crap. Unleashing. I, well, I, it's I really awesome. want a I really want a big budget live action version oh, yes. of Thunder the Barbarian. And what I would do is I would cast Will Smith in it and I would set him up as like a scientist in 1994. And he'd be on top like in that house on top of that big hill in the opening. <laughs> and when the flood comes up, oh hell no. <laughs> <laughs> And then he wouldn't be in the rest of the movie. We'd have a completely different cast, you know. <laughs> really nice. 3,000 years later, Earth is reborn, you know. But anyway, again, back back to a character. <laughs> Does anyone else get a, a uh, Batman Beyond vibe from the evil gang being called the Clowns? The clowns. That's exactly that. It was another one of my notes. Yes. I should start it, talking first. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Why don't no, you no, take, no, take no, that no. ball and run with it? That's no, 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 no. Before you steal your notes. <laughs> it's your show. It's your show. Well, it's not my show. It's not his show. <laughs> We're letting our guests over. <laughs> we, run, we run the joint. Uh, no, but, I mean, uh, you know, again, and for those of you not familiar with Batman Beyond, there was an evil gang, a street gang called the Jokers, mm-hmm. who patterned themselves after, naturally, the Joker. But I don't know if there's a connection there or not, but there's enough anime references kind of in Batman Beyond that I'm willing to kind of, yeah, you know, I, I can kind of buy it, yeah. you know? I, I, they were a motorcycle gang, mm-hmm. so it, it, it's possible that when they were putting Batman Beyond together, someone had remembered watching Akira and said, hey, why don't we do it this way? Mm-hmm. And it just worked out. Yeah. All right, but, so who who thought that that guy that pulled, pulled a grenade and it seemed to be like a smoke grenade and then the cops just beat the shit out of him and then they're like, ah, let's drag, uh, let's do the rest of this in private. And then as the kids, and they're all walking away from whatever, because they were in like a big giant stadium or something, and yeah. then they're, they're walking down the street, and then in the background you see an explosion out the side of the, of the dome, and it's like, was that that grenade that that guy pulled? Yeah. <laughs> it finally went off, or was that just some other explosion? I always figured it was the grenade. Because yeah. <laughs> because the guy was holding it like he was waiting for it to blow up. Yeah. Because for for all this movie is so, you know, kind of dystopian and downbeat, there is some comedy in there. Oh, yeah. That's the type of comedy I would expect is to, you know, have a a grenade blow up 10 minutes afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) I think actually after this, but um, when all the when all the kids are back at the school and like the P.E. coach is just beating the crap out of them right down the line. 
Oh wham, yeah. Wham. Wham. It's like wow, man. Yeah. Well, that's that's another thing. Is that I don't know enough about Japanese culture to know is that kind of what they do in their PE classes. <laughs> I don't think so. I, I don't <laughs> I don't think so, but it could be someone's take on it. Well, maybe you know? 3 years from now they do. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> you never know. I mean, it, this I mean, that I'll tell you the thing about Akira is that it, it starts fast and doesn't let up because you know the the uh, the synopsis kind of gla- glazes over it a little bit, but you know Masaru is on the um, or excuse me Takashi is on the run. Yeah, and the guy the the other member of the uh, uh, you know the guy who's with him. I mean, they just I mean he gets the living hell shot out of him. It's like the Ed two oh nine scene from Robocop. I, mean, I was just gonna it. say it's like the beginning of Robocop. Yeah. Yeah, where they you know, they they gun down uh, Murphy, but it's like good gravy. I mean they just I mean again and and, and again this is a you know uh, uh, a, a culture where it you know owning a gun is not allowed kind of thing. Gun violence is is not a thing. And so for the police, or in this case the JSTF by the police to, yeah, to mow a guy down is that's that. I mean, that's a bit shocking, you know. And again, coming in from my anime background, well, of, you know, they did Robot yell. Carnival he's, and, he's got a gun. Let's shoot him three hundred times. <laughs> but again, coming from a background of you know Nausicaa of the Valley, Robot Carnival, and Eight Man After, that was a bit shocking to my fourteen-year-old brain <laughs> as they mow this guy down like a hunk of meat. And uh, and then again, Louis Anderson uh, coming and, uh, and and all that. But I it, 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 it's it. I, what I like is that in this also is that the storytelling is there because we're introduced to Kaneda and Tetsuo and their relationship without it being an info dump. We kind of get it. It plays out as they're going, you know, that, uh, you know, T- Tetsuo kind of fawning over Kaneda's bike. And Kaneda's like, oh, come on, kid. That bike was made for me. You can't handle that, you know, and and stuff like that. So we we do learn quite a bit about their relationship in their little bit of interaction that they have amongst the action. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm just going to suspend disbelief, but... Where do you get the money to get that bike from? Whatever the gangs do to make money, steal stuff, bills, stealing stuff. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's a, that's a pretty sweet bike. I, I, he specifically says he stole it oh, in one he? of the scenes. Yep. Oh, okay. Yep, yep, yep. yep. I uh, caught mm-hmm. that because this is like the fiftieth time I've watched it. <laughs> and and Gene, to your point, as far as uh, physical education in Japan, yeah. after your city has experienced a new universe esque white event. Mm-hmm. It changes everything. The, the whole curriculum has changed. Yeah, I, I, I could see that. And also, they also say that this school, this this institution is the last chance for all these delinquents, you know. Yeah, they fail there. They basically get in prison. <laughs> mm. Which can't be much worse, I'll be honest. I mean, <laughs> well, at least here they can go out at night. Yeah. Yeah. And hook up with the chicks. Yeah. Oh, I love the chicks. They're like the pink ladies from Greece. <laughs> yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> What's your problem? What's wrong yeah. with you? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, let's get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I love the one girl on the phone in the laundromat. Yeah. yeah, the one with the face like a goat. You know the one I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, she even got a beard. Yeah. Oh, so what are you doing? Oh, really? Where'd he try that? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and every time you see, like, in the bar and then later on the street, you know, every time there's two people uh, necking, the guy's got his hand right up the shirt, mm-hmm. you know. Apparently, went they all went to my high school, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> That's how I learned. Yeah. <laughs> I learned from you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, if you're going to go, you know, better to ask for uh, forgiveness and permission, I always That's say. That's exactly right. <laughs> but we're also introduced to uh, Colonel Shikishima. 
Yes. Yeah, I think yes. I said that right. <laughs> Hey, that was a Final Fantasy VII. Uh, Final, that was a Final, Final Fantasy VI music. Yes. Oh, I see. I thought that was seven. It, it might be seven. seven. I, I never, I never played seven. I only. That was played, when you finished uh, the battle. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also doing the little dance here, but you can't see it. So. I got a little choke. The, the little. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Little, so we are introduced to the Colonel. The little chickens. The chocobos. Chocobos, yeah. thank you, yes. You know, those are delicious if you just split them and roast them, mm-hmm. you know. A little bit of garlic, not nothing crazy, a little olive oil maybe. But they're but huge, maybe. you can ride on them. That's a, <laughs> that'll, Yeah, you need a big grill, don't get me wrong. I that'll feed that. you for a month. <laughs> that's just like a Fred Flintstone brontosaurus rib. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, ever wonder if he, you know, Fred ever gets like a cardiac event. It's like, look at what you're eating, man. That thing is bigger than you are. It's like, <laughs> Like, have a salad. But anyway. One was there pounding on his chest. Fred! Wham! 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 Hey, Fred! What the fuck, Don't you Fred? die on me! Don't you die on me, you son of a bitch! Yeah, Barney's jumping up and down on his chest. Come on, buddy! Come on! At least Come show me where me. the pebbles are! Like you're my ride to work! Come on! Don't go into the light, Fred! <laughs> Wilma's like, bite down on these marshmallows I have around my neck. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Katsushiro Otomo's The Flintstones. Look for it next year. And (laughs) Betty's just giggling in in the corner. (laughs) He's like, oh, leave me off the the vitamins, will you, Fred? (laughs) (laughs) So we meet the colonel. Yes. Does he burn chicken? (laughs) Colonel Shikushima's. Yeah. Chochokabu. Fried chicken. Fried chocobo. Fried chocobo. Finger- Neo Tokyo fried chocobo. That's a shirt. I'm writing that down. Real deal for five bucks. Real yeah. deal for five bucks. Real deal for five bucks. Finger licking. Good. <laughs> Come on down to NFC. <laughs> a chocobo in a basket. <laughs> we choke a vote in a basket. That's the, yeah, the you know, biscuit baskets, Neo Tokyo branch, and we're just off State Road 23 on the frontage road. <laughs> just right by the Olympic Stadium. <laughs> by the yeah, secret right. care, by the secret <laughs> care site. <laughs> turn left at the at the government installation. Follow the sign. <laughs> <laughs> so we meet oh. the colonel. Yes. <laughs> Well, we see the colonel, and then a car passes in front of him, and he's gone. He's Batman, apparently. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and Tetsuo, you know, at at first you got to think, why are the, okay, you know, the cops or the army or whoever comes and, and you know, t- tells them all to get down on the ground. This is after um, they pick up uh, Takashi, because he had f- floated down, whatever, in the middle of the road, and Tetsuo basically slams into him. Because he put up like a psychic shield and he just bounced and, you know, did the road rash. And they come and pick him up and they they take him away. But now, did they take him away specifically to experiment on him? Or was Takashi drawn to Tetsuo? Did they know something was up with Tetsuo? I never quite really understood the full connection to like either did they just randomly take Tetsuo and experiment on him? Or was there something about him? This is special. Yeah, I, what I recall is that uh, Tetsuo just happened to be there, and like you say, rams into the teak shield, and is a uh, uh, collateral damage. 
as they're cleaning, as the men in black crew that comes out to clean up the mess, they take him away. The doctor dude doctor runs tests on him. Onishi, I believe. Runs tests on him and says that his something, you know, some MacGuffin that's going on inside of his brain uh, is very similar oh, to the Akira right. wave. Yeah. And that we're going to, I'd like to start experimenting on him. And the general says, well, can you control it this time? Don't make me take it out of your hands. Blah, 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 yeah, blah. You yeah, know, I got this. Real threatening. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, he says, well, we're going to double or triple the medicine. So uh, yep. whatever chemicals they were giving to the other three amigos, they're going to be giving even more to te- uh, to Kaneda. Tetsuo. Tetsuo. Tetsuo! Kaneda! <laughs> well, with that, should you want to be- have fun? Do that at work. <laughs> Nobody would get it. No, no, no. What I do is I'll just um, you find know, uh, someone on the other side of like the cubicle barn. You know, that's a wall, Canada. Yeah, you just like kind of walk through the uh, through the cube farm and not, you know, you just do it where nobody can realize. And you look out. Who's who said that? I, don't... <laughs> I, bet, I bet that would be big in Japan. You know, you know who else is big in Japan? I'll not. I, I digress. Godzilla. But yes, <laughs> believe, it or, believe it or not, all of my all of my children have worn a little onesie when they were babies that had a picture of Godzilla on it that said "Big in Japan." <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I guess as a segue, should I read the next paragraph or to someone else? It. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, there's a lot of Japanese names in that one. Oh yeah, that. here we go. Yeah, I'm gonna butcher this. Baby. <laughs> But I, but I think from watching the watching the movie today, I I think I got this. Shikishima and Doctor Onoshi discover that Tetsuo possesses psychic abilities similar to Akira. Wow, wow this sounds just like what uh, Mister Worth just told us. An Esper who caused Tokyo's destruction. Meanwhile, Takashi's friend Kyokyo, ah, oh, jeez, Kyoko has visions of Neo Tokyo's impending destruction. And Shikasima proposes well, uh, pro- <laughs> that's simple words that get me. <laughs> proposes killing Tetsuo to prevent this from happening. Fleeing from the hospital, Tetsuo steals Kaneda's motorcycle, accompanied by his girlfriend Kaori. But the clowns attack them both. The capsules stop the fight. Stop the fight. Suffering severe migraines and hallucinations, Tetsuo is taken back to the hospital. During a terrorist attack, Kaneda rescues Kai from capture and joins the rebels when he overhears their plans. To capture Tetsuo. At the hospital, the Espers attempt to help <laughs> Tetsuo. You call that helping? Yeah. <laughs> bring forth his psychic powers by scaring the batshit out of him as giant toys. <laughs> now, by heightening his emotional distress. Oh, yes. Well, yeah, I guess they did do that. But fail. Tetsuo, enraged, attacks the hospital intent on killing the Espers. Kaneda, Kai, and Shikasima attempt to stop Tetsuo's assault, but are unsuccessful. Learning Akira lies in cryonic storage next to the Olympic Stadium. Great place to fucking build a stadium. Construction ground in old Tokyo. Tetsuo escapes the hospital. Uh, This is when shit starts to get real. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) really, that whole trying to help him. If that's what I I would go friggin crazy, too, if that's what I was seeing. Don't poke the bear, whether or not it's a psychic illusion made out of teddy bears and toys or. But yeah. That's a good plan. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That I mean that that's when Well what do you expect remember... Well what do you expect from Lily Tomlin? <laughs> yeah. Lily um, Tomlin um, and Louis Anderson, Anderson, Anderson and, and Abe Abe Vigoda. You know, Abe I mean, Vigoda. Yeah. <laughs> Mini Abe Vigoda. I mean, you know, they I don't know if I mean, because it's only been what? Sir forty years maybe? 
88, and they were, I mean, they shouldn't, they shouldn't look that freaking old. But I don't know if it's because of the psychic powers. I mean, they obviously yeah. never physically grew anymore. Their their growth was stunted, but their ESP powers were, uh, you know, in full gear. And it's weird because she, uh, she, Shigashima, the colonel, the treats, colonel. Yep. treats treats a little girl, uh, Kyo, Kyoki, Kyoki, karaoke. <laughs> he treats her like a little girl. I mean, and she even she even acts like she she seems to act like a little girl. They're just creepy. They're yeah, creepy yes. kids. They're creepy, like those the little kids that, that have the disease that makes them age. Oh, what is that called? Progeria. Thank you. They're like progeria ESP kids, and they just freak <laughs> me out. <laughs> I can't uh, believe you guys just talk, just went right over the boobies. Yes, yeah, I was gonna say that. Oh, that, well, was, yeah. that was when I, I. That's what I said. That that's when when they like I said shit got real because you know the I mean the attack on Kiori. Yeah, them them tearing her shirt off, but then punching her right in the face. Yes. Yeah. I mean, oh, that, and then he showed her face after she's all. Yeah, freaking... and she was all bruised up and shit. I mean, it's like oh, yeah. movie. I mean, live action films do that today, and it's you know that that's you know hushed whispers on in you know the entertainment page of USA Today that oh I can't believe they got away with that in an R rated movie you know punching punching a girl in the face like that. I mean, th- I mean, and this is I mean, it, and it and it's it's cinema verite. It doesn't cut around it. I mean, that's just right in the damn face after, you know, they, they, they rip her shirt off and all that. And it's just like, again, compared to the, the anime I was familiar with, this was, I mean, I was already kind of over that line, but this is like, holy shit, they are not kidding about this. You know, uh, there, there used to be a, um, a, uh, an anime subscription service commercial, and I forget what the name of the service was, but it had this really excited guy. It's like this is not Saturday morning. This is for this is the the hardcore, hard hitting world of anime. You know, and hmm. that's what I always think of is when there is them tearing their shirt and then pow right in the face. It's like damn <laughs> in your face. And then anime. and then and then the beating that uh, at, at afterwards the the absolute beating that Tetsuo puts on this guy. Well, hey like, man. Oh yeah. No, I don't. Bl- I'm not. I'm not blaming Tetsuo. And Kaneda stops him. I'm like, what are you stopping him for? You know what that, oh, you, you know might what, kill him. Well, fuck that. You don't want to kill the guy. You know, yeah, that, you don't want to kill the guy. Be like, you know what? That's <laughs> like, um, you guys ever see... Uh, what, what? Now, wait Naked a minute. Gun. Hold on. Go oh. on, Bill. No, no, no. Now, go ahead. I was going to say, you ever see Naked Gun 2 and a half? <laughs> yeah. There's a point in there where the chief goes and he, and he starts taking off his watch and his, his wallet. He takes it all off and he's going to, like, he's really going to work the guy over. He's like, you know, scum like you make me sick. And then he cuts away and just hear, it's like, and then Drebin goes, all right, all right. Somebody help the chief up. He's had enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the opposite of that. But go on, Bill. Well, no, I mean, it, it just kind of didn't ring true for me because earlier when they're on the road attacking each other, like nobody got killed there. Right. I mean, and that were... was last night in the movie. Yeah, right. yeah, they're running over each other. You know, guys are busting their arms, if not being killed, falling. You know, they're going head to head on their bikes, and the other guy takes a tumble. They're hitting each other with pipes. Yeah, you know, fuck killing but, them. You know, but I guess the difference is for these guys. I mean, when you're on your bike, that's you know, that's one thing. Standing there and just beating this guy. You know, that's for Kaneda at that moment. That's a bridge too far. Well, you know what? Kaneda's a pussy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, well, Amen, no, brother. Not, Amen. No, I, I, I hear. I'm not disagreeing with you. I mean, if I'm Canadian at that point, I'd be there helping Tetsuo. But, <laughs> but you could. Uh, but it's almost as if it's almost as if it's like, well, on the bike, that's like a different world. You know, there's different rules when we're on the bike because when we're on the bike, 
that's you know that that's that's life or death. This is like okay, you, you beat the guy up, fine. You you know he didn't kill Kiori. He only just you know. Uh, oh, he was just getting raped. Her. Just gonna rape yeah. her. Actually, assaulted her and punched her in the face. That's it. Okay, you don't you don't need to kill him for that. Yeah. Well. But again, it's it's also Kaneda. You know, Kaneda has this. You know. Um, for what you know, as as we find out later, because of their relationship, you know, he's he kind of tells Tetsuo what to do and thinks that he, you know, needs to push Tetsuo to do what he thinks is the right thing, and that Tetsuo can't necessarily stand up for himself or whatever. But now t- this whole with the gain of the the new abilities, or you know, with being the drugs and the migraines, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's you know he's being pushed to a different air, you know, a different level. Yeah. Well, and, and it, you have to wonder, it's like, you know, without this as a, this whole incident with the clowns and Kiori as a a contributing factor, what path does Tetsuo go down? Because clearly this releases a lot of emotional anger that he has, and this shows him that he can use his power to stop the people that are hurting him and get what he wants. And so it, it's, it's a, you know, it, it's, it's something that I never really put that connection in until a couple of times in. It's like, you know, he's... He's always getting told that, hey, you're just a kid. You're not. You're not good enough. You can't handle this. You know, I'm. You know, we're the real gang. You're kind of just tagging along. And then it's like, well, now he's like, he didn't have the power, but now he does. And even then, he's. You know, when Kiori's attacked, they're pinning him to the ground. He can't even see what's going on. And so it's this. I think it's kind of the bubbling over of the 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 years and years of frustration and anger that's inside of him. That now it's got a a way to be released. And it's like, yeah, not a good call there, Colonel. Not a good call. Well, <laughs> the colonel is the one that wanted to kill him. Yeah, said, he... you know, this is going to get out of control. Let's put a bullet on his head, not have to worry about it. And doctor, no, 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 we can control it. Don't worry yeah. about it. I, I can't see any way of this possibly not working. Yeah. <laughs> no, the colonel's the one that wanted to head all this off at the pass to begin yeah. with. <laughs> Still, it's like you could have, you could have, you could have done something, but yeah, you know, right then and there at the in the in, in the street, you could have killed him, but. No, I, I agree. It's uh, yeah, the doctor in this is uh, he's dumb and uh, gets what he deserves. So. Yes, <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> All right. So, so after, well, if if it hadn't have been this, it would have been something. It I'm would sure. have been something because he's 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 having the migraines and the hallucinations anyway. So he's going back to the hospital to where he gets tortured by the our lovely trio of espers. <laughs> turning into a bear, a bunny, and a car. First, they just manifest little... <laughs> that was so freaky. I mean, oh, how, how many times have I seen myself in that same position of seeing a small dancing bear and a ba- dancing bunny and, <laughs> and, and a dancing car crawling onto my bed going... And then I just reached out and grabbed them and there was nothing in my hand. And then I freak the fuck out when everything in the room turns into a giant bear, a giant bunny, and a giant fucking car. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Dripping in milk, and then I jump out of the bed and fall into milk. Ew. Yeah. And break yeah. the glass under your foot, but that drives them off because they can't stand the sight of blood. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, they shriveled right away. Huh. And that was, that was so, you know, when the, the whole psychic construct just dissolves, and then yeah. the kids standing there, and they're like backing away. <laughs> He's bleeding. No. Oh my god. Ew. Ew, gross. Oh my god. Ew. Oh. Has it's anybody, not fair. Has anybody ever really cut their foot that bad? Uh, I have not cut my foot quite that bad, but I've got like a little cut in my foot, and that sucks. That royally sucks. It's awful. 
Yeah, I stepped right on a goddamn nail one time. Oh! I stepped on a fish hook at one point. Yeah! I was good. Yeah. Has that was fun ever... because it got a barb on it. I had to cut the barb off. No. Has anybody ever seen a potholder maker? Uh, who? What? Where? The, yes. The, 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 the little plastic weave thing? Yeah, it's a square. And yeah. My, my, my mom had one when she was a Girl Scout, and she I was like 11 or 12, and she had showed when it to me. When your mom was a Girl Scout when you were 11 or 12? <laughs> Yeah, that explains, well, yeah. A, that explains a lot. <laughs> no, 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 no. When okay, I was... especially, especially when we heard the secret origin of Doctor Bill Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Wait a minute, oh, not any. <laughs> but um, she had. Uh, we were at my grandmother's. Well, I was actually living with my grandmother. Uh, go ahead, just twist that around too. You're living with your. Oh my God. Yeah. Anyway, so are you so... Philip J. Fry? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Do you own a bicycle where you pedal going, I hate my life, I hate my life, I hate my life, I hate my life. <laughs> I'm Elmer J. Foot. I own a mansion in a yacht. <laughs> Again! Oh. <laughs> he did do the nasty and the pasty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now you're concerned about the timeline, Mr. I'm my own grandpa! <laughs> no, she had, uh... How about these cookies, sugar? <laughs> She had dug out a bunch of stuff from when she was a girl out, and I don't know. Maybe she was trying to feminize me or something. She was, uh, you know, oh, you can make potholders. So I was actually, I was like, making one, trying it, whatever. Well, short story is, I stepped on it. Oh. I backed. I walked backwards, and I right on my heel, and I dug this the corner of the square. Which yeah. this this was not a plastic one. This was a plastic uh, uh, square, and then it had. Metal, metal hooks, metal Ugh. like straight up spikes sticking oh. like one inch, and I went, Ugh. oh man, <laughs> and I oh. and I was like, <laughs> and I, <laughs> I hopped on one foot, ding 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 ding, ding, ding <laughs> into my mom, and I'm going, you know, like, like uh, the dog in a cartoon going, <laughs> <laughs> pointing to my foot, and she's, like, <gasps> and she had to pull it out. <laughs> Almost had to get a tetanus shot. Oh yeah, things in the foot, but but yeah. Oh, but um, I tell you what, what's what's also interesting to me is uh, we talked about kind of the influences of this film, and um, what's thing is I I actually thought, and I was thinking about this again today. There's an American animated film from I want to say 1983 called Fire and Ice. Mm-hmm. It's a Ralph Bakshi Frank Frazetta film. And in that film, the villain of the piece is Necron, who is a, an esper for all intents and purposes, a psionic, if you prefer your uh, uh, your fantasy terminology. And kind of the way that, that he is and the way that his powers work is very similar to how they're portrayed here with Tetsuo, you know, with the, the you know, the contortion of the face and, you know, and the uh, uh, just the the rest of the world being acted on by his what he's doing. Um, I mean, the scene that that to me is one of the most iconic scenes here is when, you know, after the whole thing with the three espers, when the uh, the the, the, as an orderly or the nurse or whatever is running up with the guards and he just explodes them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like you want to talk about the the visual vocabulary that has become, you know, part and parcel with, you know, crazy psychics, you know, but he doesn't really explode them. I think he just kind of just pulps them. Well, he just pushes his psychic field out and squishes them between the field yeah. and the wall. Ugh. Ugh. Necron Ugh. always reminded me of uh, 
Elric of Melnabone uh, from Michael Moorcock. Yeah, yeah. Because he's got the white hair, the pale skin, wizard powers. Mm Mm-hmm. Hot mom, yeah. Well, actually, I think for, like, his cousin. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, Necron had the hot mom, but... uh, Oh, okay. Yeah. No, but so it was was funny to see a... Because we're so so used to, I think, uh, looking for where anime inspired Western stuff that sometimes we forget that it does in fact go both ways mm-hmm. that Western stuff intentionally or otherwise or directly or otherwise can in fact inspire anime. And I don't know if there was any connection to that, but, but fire and ice was, I know it was released in Japan. So there may have been some minor connection with that in the, in the manga or whatnot. And just kind of the idea of the, uh, you know, the, the, the depiction of these crazed psychic powers, you know, Necron's a bit more in control than Tetsuo. But uh, but Tetsuo he doesn't fuck around either, you know. I, I like the detail when he's when he's attacked by the rest of the guards and he pushes the field up and you see that it's the edges of a sphere. So you see the wall and the ceiling and the floor. It, it's right. clearly a circle around him. I really think that's just little attention to detail, things like that, that really um, you know makes me makes me smile because it shows that they're paying attention to the air quotes up to the mic science of how this stuff really works. Agreed. Yeah, and then. Uh... I guess they they use the um, you know like the Ghostbusters thing. Don't think about you know where, <laughs> where's Akira. Yeah. Don't, don't think about where Akira is. <laughs> oh, oh my God, he's in the storage thing by the Olympic Stadium. Oh, he's in the storage thing by the Olympic Stadium. Fuck. <laughs> and again, who builds a new Olympic Stadium next to where you're storing something supposedly as dangerous and deadly as Akira was? Well, as we see, you know, from the, 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 the you know, the council meeting, you know, uh, clearly city planning is not their strong suit. Yeah, they're like, oh, I'm the last mayor, spent all this money. <laughs> yeah. Not- <laughs> Guys are asleep on the council meeting and, and uh, oh, man, what a bunch of rubes. Yeah, well, you, you can tell clearly that uh, Otomo has a very high opinion of the Japanese uh, government system and the diet, you know, and the prime minister. So right. by the depiction of all politicians in this film. Yeah. Especially the prime minister basically looking like a rat. Yes. Was and he the grab- prime minister or like the pre- yeah the, the president the prime minister same difference. yeah whatever yeah yeah and, yeah, and grabbing all his bearer bonds and cash it reminded yeah. me of the bad guys from the end of Godzilla versus uh, Mothra from 1964. <laughs> oh, it, it made me think of uh, uh, Die Hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you steal five thousand dollars, you can disappear into the night. You steal five million, however, they will find you. <laughs> Yippee ki yay, Canada. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, th- this this is you know, uh, not not to say that the first you know first part of this film was tame, but like I said, th- this is when things really start going crazy, and from here it never really lets up. Once Tetsuo leaves, leaves, escapes the hospital, blasts his way out of the hospital, it's like there's just non-stop just it's like almost an orgy of violence and destruction yeah it's like this would make the critics of man of steel blush i think hmm. so uh it's like zach snyder's watching this like yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, you well, have one question because canada and gets gets into the hospital breaks in with this revolutionary group they're trying to get the espers out etc and they have these guys on flying cycles in the sewer who do you piss off to get that duty? <laughs> well, you know, That's it's like, not really clear what they are at first. You're like, what the hell? And then yeah. it, it's kind of it's kind of neat with the reveal that it's, it's it's actually just like a flying, like it's a speeder bike from Return of yeah. the Jedi. 
Yeah. You know, and 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 they're but with a with a uh, with a Gatling gun on the front of it. But it's not like they were alerted to their presence there. It's just these guys are on normal patrol in yeah. the sewer. Which yeah, but at least I got to fly above the water. True. <laughs> that, that's true. That's true. And to make note that Gene did use the word duty. <laughs> on purpose. Normal duty. <laughs> My duty, and it's a big duty. Oh, but how, earlier, I, though, when Kaneda rescued Kai. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, like, the guy, mm. the, he shoots the guy in the head, and the guy's Oh, brains yeah. all over. And then he s- slides down, and then Kaneda goes into the shit, literally. Yeah. And he comes up, and he's all brown. It's like, oh. No. Yeah. Hey, well, it must smell nice. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm sure the whole, I'm sure the town doesn't smell like, you know, uh, sweat and you know, stale sweat, vinegar, and piss anyway. So, <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny. You talk about the, the, the swamp uh, cycle bikes or whatever, the flying cycles. Is it me or is, if that had a foot soldier on it, would that be a bad guy in a Konami Ninja Turtle video game? Oh, yes. You know, flying above the sewer stage, you know, <laughs> blasting at you. You got to do a jump kick to knock him down kind of thing. <laughs> oh, shell shock. But uh, Now, how were they able to keep... I, I well, I should probably just let, let 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 it go. But it's like, how are they able to keep that thing just sitting in the middle of that elevator? I mean, it, it it's a cool effect. Maybe, the doors maybe open it's got a hover. There. Maybe it's got a hover button. No, because as soon as those doors open, it's like, it's like it's blowing out all this air. It's like, where is all that air going to go inside that elevator while they're riding it up? It's like there's no. I mean, I know. Science. Well, it, just let it go. No, no. It, I mean, because I because you know what's happening inside that elevator while they're waiting. It's Kaneda hitting on K. <laughs> Say, if we get out of this, you want to go do something? <laughs> what? <laughs> the big annual what? But... <laughs> well, with that, should we read into the next paragraph? Sure. All right. Who's going to take it? I'll take that one. Okay. okay. Aided telepathically by Kyoko. Kay escapes along with Kaneda to prevent Tetsuo from releasing Akira. Meanwhile, Shikishima stages a coup d'etat in search of Tetsuo. Tetsuo ambushes Kaneda's friends, Yamagata and Kai, killing the former in the process. Kaneda vows to avenge Yamagata. Meanwhile, Tetsuo attacks Neo Tokyo, eventually arriving at Akira's cryogenic storage door in the stadium. He defeats Kay and exhumes Akira's remains but soon realizes that Akira was dissected, frozen, and preserved for future studies. Kaneda battles Tetsuo, and Shikishima uses a laser satellite in an attempt to kill Tetsuo, but is unsuccessful. Tetsuo destroys the satellite and fits himself with a robotic arm. Mm, this is so, This is what I was talking about, that you know, once, once he gets out of the hospital, it never lets up. Right. Yeah, this is the famous scene with the tank. With the shell stopping, yeah, and just blowing up in front of them, and uh, the Wachowski brothers must get down on their knees and thank God for this movie every night because they <laughs> made their career. I'm, I'm so serious because it's like you look at this, and now it's like, well, of course that's how they're going to show that. But in '89, this was '88, '89. This was a big friggin' change, you know. Now that, like I said before, that's the visual vocabulary for how a, a crazed psychic works or somebody who can alter reality works. And it's like so much of that visual uh, look is now almost it's it's cinematic shorthand. It's it's so well executed here. I mean, between the, right. the tank and then the destruction of the bridge. Oh know? yeah, where he, mm. he collapses each section. 
Yeah, oh, and, and the, the, the people scrambling on, on each piece. And I do like we get the priest of the church <laughs> there, and he's scrambling and he's scrambling, and then the car falls down and hits something. Yeah, and, well, well just part, part, oh, Sorry, yeah, I think you're going to say the same thing. Go ahead. The best Jim. part about it is he, at that point, oh, walk through fire. Yeah. Purify you. Go into the, the fire and purify yourself. Oh, shit, I'm about to be hit <laughs> by a flaming car. <laughs> If there uh, ever was a scene that required the Price is Right fail horn. <laughs> I mean, just the I mean, just the fight between uh, Kay and uh, Tetsuo. Don't forget the spayer new to your psychic. Oh. Yeah. Kay, <laughs> the summary didn't say it, but she is being used psychically by the espers as yes. basically a gladiator to take mm-hmm. on Tetsuo. Which is, yeah. yeah, I mean, and she, she loses but survives. Barely. Oh yeah, I mean, they're but they're but they're slamming each other back and forth. You know, yeah. there's no quarter given in this fight. You know, and it's and again, it's because it's the, it's the two espers essentially fighting. It's a it's one of those things where again we we kind of see this more in in anime and live action film now where it's it's it would you can imagine this being all CG in a live action movie. And it's one of those, th- this sequence of, of events, both the fight uh, with Kay and then, you know, fighting against the JSDF and collapsing the bridge is one of those that we're, we're, we so dodged a bullet that they're not making that live action Akira anymore because you know how ridiculous this would have looked being live action with CG. Whereas being animated, having that layer of unreality kind of put over it makes it work. This is a story that is well suited to its medium. You know, we talk about a lot this idea that with comics that you can tell certain stories in comics that you can't tell in other media because comics allow you to do things with scale. And, uh, you know, when you, you don't, you never have to build a set in a comic book is the way it's always put. Well, it's kind of the same way with an anime, but having kind of the stylized nature of it rather than something that's photorealistic makes the, the carnage believable because it's not in a realistic way. You know what I'm saying? I'm not sure if I'm explaining that right. Whereas this would look, like as just over the top, I think done in a live action format in an animated format, it plays it plays itself straight and you buy it. Right. Yeah. Because it, you you just call BS on the CG in a live action. You would just look at because you, right, that, right. Because it takes you it take you know it it takes it, you out of it. It already takes you out because it's not in camera. Right. If if and you're already in a world that's you've already accepted this world is this way you're not taken out of it because if it's a because fa- it's a fantastical thing whereas if it's a realistic world and you see shit and you're like oh well yeah i well i know that's fake yeah, uh, yeah. you know you know there's no way they they built a set and as as and again i'm no not the tangent but as well done as i think the disaster effects in the last act of man of steel are you know they're not real yeah deep down you know that's not real they didn't really collapse a building in a major city Whereas here, it's all, like you say, Bill, it's all part of what we've already accepted and agreed upon mentally is the world. Mm-hmm. And damn if it's not effective. I mean, it's just him just tearing this place apart. Well, I mean, I, it almost seems Eesh. like it's like more shocking that you're like, ooh, oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially when you know, his arm gets like you shot said, off. Well, 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 yeah, and, and like you said, when all those people fall off the bridge and yeah. you're like, these are people that not not – Five minutes prior, we're 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 praising and following him like he was a savior, like he was Akira, and 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 like a new group of followers that had cropped up around him, and he just kills yeah. them all. Yeah, right, because they're following him as if they, as if 
he was a savior, and right. he doesn't care. He doesn't care. He's, on a, he's a man on a mission. Mm-hmm. He's a lot like Forrest Gump in that respect. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Quiet, he's going to say something. <laughs> you know, that would have been... Good point. Take the film in a totally different direction, but you know. But... <laughs> Very good point. Canada is as Canada does. <laughs> <laughs> Life is like a box of Tetsuos. And you see, I guarantee you, they could have cast Tom Cruise or uh, Tom Hanks in that in that Akira live action movie they were talking about doing. Tetsuo, you know. And, and Gary Anthony Sinise words is Canada. Gary Sinise. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh God. Tetsuo Gump, but. Um... <laughs> I do like that. Like, <laughs> I just saw, I just pictured the scene of like when when Bubba dies. <laughs> Tetsuo, why are we? <laughs> Tetsuo, they cut your arm off. <laughs> we got no arm. <laughs> I want to go home, Tetsuo. That's <laughs> okay, Canada. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> Akira Gump <laughs> Sometimes life is like a box of capsules Run Tetsuo run <laughs> <laughs> Well you know to, to With that Kaneda does say That Tetsuo was bullied by everyone Growing up Yeah, Yes he was Which is one more You know when I was in high school um, I made it a point and, and Dane Cook can kiss my ass because he kind of stole this bit from me. But I made it a point to always be nice to the unpopular girls in my high school because I had seen Carrie. <laughs> yeah. I, I knew the score. You know what? It's like, you know what? Is it going to hurt me to be nice to this chick in case she's psychic? No. So it never came up, you know, knock on wood. But I'm just saying. So, yeah. So, it's again, it's this idea. It goes back to what, what I was saying earlier with the little bits of the relationship we get to see with Kaneda and Tetsuo's history at Tetsuo was, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the new kid who was being picked on by everybody. And Kaneda was his friend. And he kind of, you know, you think we all know, you know, that kind of relationship where the guy falls in and he's the, he's the, the, uh, the subservient guy to Kaneda. Kaneda's the, the the primary, and he's the secondary. And now it's you know the the, the roles have been reversed because you know Tetsuo's got the power now. He's got the power, and who gave it to you, Johnny Osmond? But um, <laughs> you know, so now he's you know, and again, like you were saying, it's like he doesn't get. You know, Adam, you were saying this. He doesn't care about anything else around him. He's got his what he wants, and what he wants is all that matters because he's had to you know put aside what he wants and what he wants to do. But now it's like, who's going to fucking stop me? You know, nobody's going to stop me because I've got the power. But why does he really want to go after Akira? Does he want to go just to prove he's better than Akira or does, is he trying to understand what's happening to him? I don't, did I miss something or is that not really fully explained? I don't believe it's fully explained, but I think what he's trying to do is understand what's happening. Right. Makes sense. Right. Makes sense of his new world. Yeah, you say, you know, who is Akira? Who is this guy? Where is he? You know? Yeah. He's in a big, giant ice cube in the bottom. <laughs> yeah. Way let, let's talk, at the bottom. Let's talk about the satellite of love 740 for a second here, because... Better like call any Soul. Good, better call Soul. <laughs> I need that to, like, do my yard work. <laughs> so, 
you know, honey, you gotta, you gonna you gotta cut the grass. Better call Soul. God. Oh my God, uh, we left the cat out. Whoops. <laughs> you get a there call you from home. Yeah, you get a call from the homeowners association, Mister Robinson. There's a giant gaping crater in your backyard, and that's against our covenant. Screw you, man. Better call Saul. <laughs> we just dial that over two blocks. Yeah, I'll take care of that problem right away. But uh, like any good totalitarian, uh, you know, military government, they have an eye in the sky with a laser in it as, you know, aimed down at the planet, as you do when you're in this situation. Oh, so, but, but wait, first got to talk about the lovely government troops that come to Shikishima to tell them, hey, buddy, we're shutting you down. Really? Yeah. Bam! <laughs> <laughs> and then he says t- t- to, the, to the other guys, really? You want to do this? They're like, nah, nah, we're good. No, we're good. We yeah, are we'll, good. We'll follow you. No problem. I don't feel like letting you arrest me today. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean yeah. Again, it's just just the un the cinema verite, the unblinking violence that you can't nest in 1988-89. You can't get away with that in a live action movie, but in a cartoon, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like blow some more shit up, you know, mutilate some more people. Ah, beautiful. Good day's work. <laughs> now, I don't know if it's here or if it's later. I'm trying to look in the synopsis, but let's just talk talk about the. Uh, okay. The leader of the quote-unquote resistance was actually meeting with the with the president, with the prime minister. Right. So was, was he actually drumming up anti-government terrorism to like further tighten his grip on the society? What was his goal there? I or, think he was trying to undermine the colonel. Or trying and, to undermine and, the colonel. And his projects, because that's where they kept trying to break into. He kept trying uh, to get the espers out. So, so, that, so Kai's just a pawn just she's like sucked up in this whole resistance thing not realizing yet while the other guy who goes and visits the um the president you know after he's wounded and he's like oh what are you doing here and he's like trying to pop the pills for his heart condition and that's when he's stuffing the money in the suitcase he's running down the alley you know and the, the the other guy's following him now he shot the other guy didn't he yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and then you see one of the the president's minions has already blown his brains out in the bathtub. Yeah. Ah, that whole scene was just, you know. It's like it's like the Dukakis campaign in here. This is just. <laughs> <laughs> Little man went into a tank and never came back. But Jesus, yeah, it's like I said. It, it sure wasn't was the Marco about. Rubio campaign or no. Oh, guy's about the same height. Oh. I was going to say, well, if, well, I'm not going to get into it. But anyway, uh, the. Uh, but yeah, but again, that's what I was talking about is the, the complete you know, disgust with the political system and politicians in general. No politician looks good in this. Every one of them's either incompetent or a scumbag. Mm. You know, the president, the most so, because again, that that's kind of a, a like you said, that's, yeah, that's the guy that was made to look literally like a rat and he dies yeah. in an alley with his mouth foaming like he's taken, uh, you know, somebody poisoned him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and, and I mean, you want to talk cinematic shorthand for being a scumbag when when the craps hit the hit the fan, the guy shoving the money and the bearer bonds into a briefcase. That's like, why don't you just have a big neon sign that says scumbag, scumbag, scumbag behind him? You know, it's 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 perfect. It's perfect application of a cinematic cliche because it's you could overdo it so much in animation. I mean, he's got so much stuff jammed into that briefcase. You know, it's like it, there's no way that's going to close. But you got to sit on that thing to close it. It's like it's like when you're trying to pack at the end of spring break. It's like it ain't going to happen. OK, but uh, yeah, it, it's yeah, it's great. And like you said, it's nobody comes out good in this. Everybody is, you know, a a, a, a bad person. Let's just say to be diplomatic, <laughs> lest I get, you know, colorful with it. 
So yeah, and, and and like I said, him dying in the alley again, fun for the whole family. So sure. goes back to goes back to your your radio promotion, Adam. It was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And and speaking of spring break and talking about Kai, I think what her motivation is, she's just one of these naive, idealistic activist chicks, you mm-hmm. know, like one of the ones you would see in that movie PCU, where yes. she's just going to, you know, free Nelson Mandela. They already freed they already him. Freed him. <laughs> right. The, the, the line I think that makes that they already freed him. What? <laughs> Well, she's pretty much used by everybody. She's used by the resistance movement. Then she u- she's used by the uh, um, by the espers. The, the espers. Yeah. You know. And but then yeah, then essentially she becomes essentially a, a little more than a plot device for Canada in the last reel. You know. Yeah. So, but you know, anime doesn't always have the best uh, history for how they portray women. <laughs> Just a little bit, you know. (laughs) Especially, you know, graphic grown-up ones like these, but, you know. So, uh... I think this counts as a sign-in if you're going to go by the manga classification, right? I think. I'm not sure now that I say that. Uh, In all honesty, I I can't imagine this as a shonen. It's certainly not a a shoujo, but uh, I'm just talking to myself. All right, so, uh... (laughs) We shall. What do you say we move on? <laughs> well, there's still a few things we got to talk talk about. That yeah. Tetsuo um, goes back to their little bar where they hang out, and when Yamagata and Kai show up, he's already Tetsuo has already just killed the bar owner. Yeah. And then I he kills Yamagata just because. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's really gone more to the dark side here now than, than, than you know, it's one thing. Well, yeah, I make it sound like I do it every day. It's one thing to kill total strangers. You know, what? <laughs> Dr. Bill, well, is so, he's a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> but that is true. Well, I actually, this, these make a little more sense because these are the guys that have constantly been coming down on him. Yeah, but they've also protected his ass, too. But that's not how... Uh, I know, it's not how he sees it. He's, he's, eh, he sees it as them, you know, keeping him down, keeping their their boot on him. You know, you know no, you can't do that, kid. You can't take this kid. You know, yeah. And, he He's the prototype emo kid that, you know, right. that now with special. power... Yeah, so he's he's the he's the special snowflake, and now he's he's out of his space, safe space, and he's pissed. <laughs> I need my safe yeah. area. Yeah, the safe space was actually for the people around him, not yeah, <laughs> really. <laughs> Stay in your safe space, that's all. <laughs> Go to the happy box, you know. Go to the happy. <laughs> I told you to put it in the happy box, tick. <laughs> that's big shot. That's something different. <laughs> So yeah, and but then yeah, Kaneda... he, he, I mean, he offs his two. He offs, you know, his two members of his own crew. Not one, because Kai makes it. Oh, one, he, yeah, but Kai been, tells uh, Kai tells Kaneda now. Kaneda's pissed, and he goes after um, Tetsuo. Yeah, Kaneda's pissed because nobody endangers the life of the capsules but him. You know, and he though. stole his bike. <laughs> yeah, that's what he's more mad. About. Where's my bike? <laughs> you said something man. about your bike. Oh, that's it. He's like Misty from uh, Pokemon. He's like obsessed <laughs> with his bike, but. <laughs> And um, so, yeah, the big cryogenic storage chamber that's, like, what, a mile below the new Olympic Stadium. Right. Yeah, that was a good idea. <laughs> and holy crap, is that cold. Did you, when they first went down there, oh, did yeah. you hear the temperatures yeah, that they're reading off? Yeah. Yeah, it was 140 degrees Kelvin. How was the cold first is one. that, Gene? That is minus 270 degrees Fahrenheit. Holy shit. How were they even walking down there? 118 degrees Kelvin was the second one. That's minus 247. 
And then we get to 1.005 degrees Kelvin, which is one degree above absolute zero where all molecular motion stops, which is the equivalent of minus 457.9 degrees Fahrenheit. Or, and I say for, for our or, Canadian listeners, Tuesday. Ha! Or <laughs> my love life. Oh! Oh! Which is which is be not Tuesday. So there you go. Which would be every day of the week. Say not not Tuesday, not Wednesday. Never get out of get out of here, you fool, you fool. All molecular activity stops. Oh. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yikes. I'm silent because I can relate. Just yikes. So we're all married. We, we all reach. been there. We reach, <laughs> brother. We 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 reach. We reach. Well, you know what they? Oh, well, never mind. It would take a <laughs> laser. It would take a laser satellite to warm up my love life. Oh, they're, they're called Soul. Oh. <laughs> Blast my house. No. Well, you know, you, you did say this on a previous one. It's like you know, you know the definite definition of insanity. You're married. You know, so you keep trying the same things with no no change in results. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that was like the other guy that said, you know, hey, you know, uh, he uh, said, hey, you know, you should take Viagra because you know you're. Your sex life will be, you know, four times. I'm like, you know what? Zero times four is still fucking zero. Oh, oh, oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> Except I could drive nails with my penis. <laughs> so, yeah, they go to the cryo center and they find... Uh... Speaking of things that are stiff and frozen... No! Oh, oh, I walked oh. into that one. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. That didn't sound <laughs> right at all. <laughs> no, no, no. I did, but we are not she in the didn't same walk room. into that we one. We are not so, in the same know. room. Nobody's in the room with me. Nobody no, walked into no. anything. No, we're yeah, not, we're so not, we're not in South Beach. No. So Akira's been sliced and diced and sushied up. And, uh, <laughs> and put nice little jars. Yeah. Little teeny tiny jars, too. There's like a little teeny tiny brain in there. Yeah, they they shrunk them like down. They it's shrink like, them too. What? Like, well, you know, it, it, again, it was it was it was Japan in the eighties. Everything, you know, the next next year's model had to be smaller, right? So that was, you know. <laughs> hmm. But why do they? Well, I, I, I guess they okay. had. But they didn't need. Did they really need something that big just to freeze this? That I mean, couldn't somebody have had that in their freezer at their house or yeah, something? I don't understand why it had to be. I mean, I yeah, guess if you want all molecular. I guess if you want it to so that it will not decay, you would yeah. have to have it at almost absolute zero. Well, that or perhaps you're concerned that if there is the potential of molecular activity that, you know, if Akira is this powerful, he could create a new body for himself. Oh. As we see with, with uh, Tetsuo, when Better Call Saul blasts his arm off, he's able to, you know, use the matter around him to create a new part of his body. So who's to say that Akira couldn't just create an artificial you know, Lift. container for his consciousness. Mm, okay. You know, which we do see that. Well, I'm, we'll, we'll get to that at the end, but uh, yeah. So this, yeah. Oh yeah. And he brings that entire thing up to the surface. Yeah. Yep. Just basically flips it up that you, <laughs> you see the top of that thing, which looks like, like a mace top of a Mason jar is sitting there with a big three on it or something. And all of a sudden it just kind of goes and slides down and all of a sudden flip, up. Yeah, <laughs> it just kind of rolls over, and there's this big giant ball that says Akira. This big metal ball with tubes on it that says Akira. Then all the hoses start breaking loose and wailing around and crushing shit left and right, and uh, you know all the coolants coming out. And then uh, you know Tetsuo takes out all the jars and you know tries to put Humpty Dumpty back together again, <laughs> <laughs> just laughing because he's all you know he really he's. Like, yeah, this is what I came here for. I can't do anything with this. Yeah. 
<sighs> so I guess uh, do we does, does that lead us into should we read the rest of them or just read there? I got three paragraphs ref two reft. Suddenly, I'm a stereotype. <laughs> <laughs> Left. Oh. Well, considering that the last three paragraphs is about 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah, just read them all together. Uh, you yeah. want to take it, Gene? Or I'll, I'll take it, sure. At the Olympic Stadium, with Tetsuo in immense pain. <laughs> oh, sorry. That's about pretty much what we get for the next 20 minutes, too. Yeah. Shikishima tells him that the Esper's migraine-controlling drugs are to stunt the evolution of uncontrolled ab- uncontrollable abilities. Tetsuo attempts to seek a cure for his mutation, but Shikishima stops him. Tetsuo's arm mutates, and he attempts to kill Shikishima before Kaneda intervenes and attacks Tetsuo. Unable to control his powers, Tetsuo mutates into a gigantic, writhing mass, and he engulfs both Kaneda and Kiori, killing and assimilating the latter. Dr. Bill, giant writhing mass. Okay, you're familiar. (laughs) (laughs) With Tetsuo having grown beyond the requirements of a coherent biological form, the espers awaken Akira. Manifesting himself from the canisters, Akira reunites with his friends and triggers a second psychic explosion, dragging Tetsuo and Kaneda with it. As Tetsuo struggles against Akira's psychokinetic powers, the espers teleport Shikishima away from the stadium, and Takashi leaps into the explosion to rescue Kaneda. The other espers aid in the effort at the cost of being unable to return. In the explosion, Kaneda experiences Tetsuo's and the Esper's childhood flashbacks, including how much Tetsuo trusted Kaneda and how the children were trained and altered before Tokyo's initial destruction. The Esper's help Kaneda escape and inform him that Akira will be taking Tetsuo to safety. Hiyoko reveals that Kei has begun to develop psychic powers. The explosion destroys most of Neo-Tokyo, killing Oniyoshi, in the, in the process, in the aftermath, Kaneda discovers that Kei and Kai have survived, and they drive off into Neo-Tokyo while Shikashima watches the sun rise over the city. Tetsuo comes in, into control of his powers, and he triggers a Big Bang in an alternate universe. I was wondering about that in part, and it confirmed what, what I thought, because at the end, you know, it says, I am, I am Tetsuo, and all of a sudden there's a explosion different waves of light and then you see these things coming out that look somewhat like little galaxies it's like did he just create a new universe oh oh shit i read this oh so he did yeah I, the the ending of the movie was very 2001 mm-hmm. you know thank with... you for saying that and <laughs> i have watched this so many times and i watched it again last week i still don't understand what happened explain it to me i know you just read it but say it again in english okay basically what what you're seeing after everyone goes in into the light, Tetsuo and the Esper's memories are playing back. So you see Akira and the other three Esper's as children being tested, get, being given the drugs, being tested again. And you also see Tetsuo's childhood of being an orphan, going you know, to an orphanage, then going to school, getting beaten up, and Kaneda coming to his rescue. Okay, I got all that. Yeah. Then everyone, oh, Kaneda is brought back out, and you hear Kyoko basically says, well, your girlfriend's going to be going through this in a few years. Have fun. Bye. The way I see it, maybe this uh, this is the way I kind of see it, is that the three espers and Akira 
took Tetsuo away. They became they became one with whatever, and Tetsuo's power, like they all kind of merged, and Tetsuo created a new universe in an alternate universe. That's like they all became one, and it created a new a new universe. They became one with a force and went somewhere else. It's kind of what the way I kind of saw it or read it as, if that makes sense. All right. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> Fine, it, it, but it's a little bit of a disappointing ending. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm used to like an Americanized cinema, but well, now I've never read the manga, just, so I don't know how the manga really wraps up. So I mean, it might. I believe that's because uh, um, in the oh, okay. Uh, reading up here at the top of the wiki, it says while most of the character designs and settings were adapted from the original manga, the manga, the restructured plot of the movie differs considerably from the print version, pruning much of the last half of the manga. So I don't know if you'll get a different feel or a different. It has a completely different ending, and maybe explains it differently. I, it's, it sounds like they changed and cut things up for the film. I mean, yeah, it's. I mean, I didn't even really think of the Big Bang thing until what? I mean, it's like the third or fourth time I've seen it, or fourth or fifth time, and I never realized that he created a, a new universe, and then, or or even had that thought, and then when I read it here, it confirmed it. I was like, oh, okay, so I was right. But yeah, yeah. that's like the fourth or fifth time, and that never occurred to me that that's because I just thought they just before that they just they all died, or they just took took them away to save everybody. But it's yeah, easy. see, I always got kind of the Star Trek the motion picture thing out of it. You know, mm-hmm. at the end of that, where where Decker and uh, the probe, you know, evolve beyond that, become energy or whatever. That's what I always thought kind of happened was that they, you know, they because Kay talks about it. It's like a being of pure, uh, who's nothing but energy. So right. I always assumed that they had evolved beyond mere physical shells, not this crude matter. You know, that that's what they were. Luminous beings, were they? Uh, but, you know, but again, I, I mean, if that's what it's intending, I can see that from the visuals. Like you say, it looks like the Big Bang, so I can understand mm-hmm. that. But maybe maybe it's intentional that it's not communicated super clearly. You know, I'm, I'm maybe the ending of this film is supposed to be up for um, discussion. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't put that past it, considering how much of this film is so whack job nutsoid. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I uh, my the last note on my page, Luke, is list them as missing. So yeah. I, I got the exact same thing out of it that you did. Yeah. Interesting. And, and there's my Star Trek quote for the episode. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, here's my South Park quote. <laughs> I, uh, I think it bears mentioning that the Trapper Keeper episode of South Park, where they have the... Uh, the uh, the uh, apartment becomes the amorphous mass, much like uh, it does in this movie. <laughs> and they keep on mistaking it for Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> yes. That, I mean, between his first, his arm going crazy. And then like they said, the big, the big, just blob of flesh. Oh, man. it's, that's just, I mean, that's just plain weird. You know, there's no other, I mean, it's, it's, it's cool, but it's weird as hell. Really? That and it's can't... still weird today, and this was back in 1988 when we really didn't see stuff like this. Right, exactly. And it, this gets back to our earlier discussion. Looks amazing animated, would look redonkulous in live action. Yeah. <laughs> no no question about that, I don't think. So you can't pull this off and have it look like anything. I don't know. They Fair. they could get the uh, the special effects team from Sharknado, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know what bugs me about Sharknado? 
is that when people describe Sharknado as a spoof, it's like bull and shit. That means you haven't watched it. The sequels are the original one was just another crappy asylum movie. Mm-hmm. And and it and sci-fi gave it a great title and it caught on. It wasn't even its original shooting title. So, but anyway, I digress. Um, I, I also, the the thing that always kind of, uh, I mean, it's 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 a, it, it's typical for this this type of story, I think. But it it's kind of uh, it's it's always really kind of made me sad. Is you know, Tetsuo is is you know his body is going crazy. His body can't contain the powers of his mind, and he absorbs uh, Kaori and Kaneda, and then he crushes Kaori to death. <sighs> that oh man, that is that so be. upsetting to me. After yeah. the shit she went through for him earlier. And then he says he that he like he assimilated her psyche because he says to Canada he says I feel her pain. Yeah. It's like but it's like man she just gets the bum rap in this movie the whole time, you know. Oh yeah. And uh but but again it it's it's a striking visual. It's something is like holy shit, you know, it just takes you back. Yeah, cuz she's point, in she's in like this little envelope of his flesh. And it just yeah. keeps squeezing closer and closer, and all of a sudden it just goes completely red, and she's yeah. just like she popped. It's right. Like, oh. Mm. Oh yeah, totally. Especially, it's like I said, it's uh, it it's it is it, it's it's just it it's still striking after all these years. Like like you were saying, Adam, it holds up so well because it's so crazy. There's nothing else that approaches this. And, or and any and if it does, we all uh, and, and like you said, if you if if you do see something that approaches this, now it's like now it's specifically a reference to Akira. Right, and the quality of animation is just amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, there's always something moving and thriving around in this, and the fact that it's all hand animated. You know, today you would get a lot of the backgrounds and stuff being computer animated, but now back then everything was still. You know, paint, ink think, and paint on cells. I think and, the only thing that was had some type of computer stuff was the Akira wave thing that the doctor kept looking at that was spinning on, on, on that circle. That was, I think was one of the few things that was done in, like, on a computer. It, yeah, probably just due to the look of it. But everything else is just hand-drawn animation, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, yeah, I agree. And, and again, especially coming in this era... Where we hadn't seen, you know, I mean, that this said, this is 1988. This is right. We're right at the beginning, the genesis of the kind of revitalization of animation in the West with the Disney Renaissance. Yes. So cartoons in general were in kind of a, we're, we're still kind of coming out of the ghetto of the late 70s where budgets were just for both, again, Western and Eastern animation budgets were absolutely in the dumps. Stay, you know, tracing as much as possible, reusing as much as possible as the order of the day, and to get something like this, where it's not only, as we said, just visually arresting, but it's it's so detailed and so animated, and as like I said, there's no static shots. Everything has something going on in it, and like you were saying, Adam, the the level of detail in what is essentially a blob of flesh, but it's so arresting to look at, you can't turn away from it, you know. So it's it, it it's a, it's very much a success in that sense. <laughs> the ghetto of animation. Turn <laughs> women Canada cried in the ghetto. In, in the, the ghetto. And Akira cried. In the ghetto. Another hungry arm to feed in the ghetto. <laughs> <laughs> one one little thing that I 
doesn't really mention in the synopsis that I thought was what was kind of cool is that uh, Kaneda gets a a like a battery mounted laser and he's yeah, actually yeah. shooting it. And at one point, the uh, early on in the battle, the soldiers like all fire at Kaneda. No, at Tetsuo. And he's got this. He's got the size shield up, and all all the lasers like bend around it and everything. And um, Kaneda gets a lucky shot. I think it's is it prior to him getting blasted by Saul. Uh, yeah, just, yeah, he, he yeah. Has, and it goes right through his gut. It goes yeah. right through him, and it doesn't even. He's like, I think even Kaneda was surprised that it's like. And then he's laughing. He's like, <laughs> it's like you yeah. shot me, and it doesn't even matter. And then that's when he gets blasted by Saul. But and, and then then. The battery runs out on the laser, and then prior to the big battle, like in the lull here, after he's set up doing doing the pickup sticks with the Akira parts, um, they're using Kai's bike to um, charge up the battery. It sets his bike yeah. on fire. <laughs> hey, your bike's still burning, man. <laughs> it's like, how come we're not using your bike, man? Yeah. <laughs> He runs over, hey, man, your bike's still on fire. Oh, shit. Oh. <laughs> and then he starts laughing at him. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. he's a douchebag. Yeah, he's yeah. such a douchebag. Well, that's just it. There are no heroes in this movie. There, yeah. No one is a good person in this movie. No, just, absolutely not. <laughs> just people that have had hard lives, I guess. And uh, Oh, and we got to see the, uh, well, what was it? At some point, the colonel comes into the little mobile van and he's talking to the doctor, who's just going through reams and reams of paper. And he's like, this is amazing. It's fantastic. <laughs> the waving and the Akira. And the, the ha. And the hey, hey. It hurts me. Hey. Fred Levin. My Levin. <laughs> the psychic and the screaming. Hey. Canada. That's wow. <laughs> and th- that guy's just like, you know, he's, he's having like an orgasm with the paper and just reading everything. And like, and the colonel sees over his shoulder in the back with all this light and he goes around the corner and he sees that the, like, it, they show the original Akira wave and how uh, Tetsuo's wave is now starting to match that wave. And, and he's like, my God, you know, he didn't realize how far things had gone. Uh, but um, in the end, when Tetsuo is going nuts, he actually crushes that whole uh, that. Well, I think I think it's actually in the explosion crushes that. Yeah, that's right. The explosion yeah. destroys most of you, killing Anoshi enough for he just gets squashed inside the van. Like the whole yeah. the whole truck just gets crushed together in like a ball. Like, that's why I said yes. he got what he deserved. So yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> jackass. <laughs> I do like how the espers saved the colonel though. Because he was trying to protect them, so they save him. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a nice little thing that happens there. Uh, yeah. There something... is a good guy in this whole thing. It's the it's the it's the army dude. Yeah, yeah. Because he tried to stop it. He tried to you know, well head this off. Kind of the espers themselves too. Yeah. I mean, at, yeah, maybe because yeah, maybe they not didn't the Louis Anderson choice. one. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean they're they're victims as much as anything else in this too. Yeah, you know, they didn't ask for any of this crap. Well, there was some. There's something. I was waiting for this scene, and I don't know why. It just seems so powerful. Or when, when oh, which one is he? It's uh, da, 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 Takashi. When Takashi comes to the stadium and he's floating down and he and he's got one foot, and it's like that one foot just touches down on the top of that stadium piece. 
mm-hmm. like high up in the stadium. And he's like as light as a feather, but to me it exuded like the weight and the power that he had at his at his disposal. But it just seemed like he was so powerful coming down, but with that light little landing. I don't know. There was there's something about that scene that just I don't want to say it moves me, but it just seems powerful to me. Maybe I'm reading into it. I no, no, I, I see oh. what you're saying. I mean, it's a lot of power being demonstrated from an an unpowerful looking guy. You yeah. Know? I mean, it's it's such a and it's it's that the whole ending is just so, you know, like you guys were saying with that whole writhing mass and then like it'll it'll come up and all of a sudden it'll form a face and it'll scream out, you Kaneda, know, <laughs> and that and that's out. the interesting thing because Kaneda, like you say, there's no good guys in this movie, but at the end there, Kaneda is still trying to save Tetsuo. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. after trying to kill Tetsuo. He, he, you know, he's, he's still, deep down, Tetsuo is still his friend. He still wants to help him if he can. Mm-hmm. He doesn't, you know, because Kaneda is, you know, way out of his league. Yeah, right. he can't. You know? <laughs> I'm going to drive my bike at it, you know, but that's... Uh... Shoot him with a laser. <laughs> like, maybe the real power is teamwork. It's like, no, that's not it. That's... <laughs> no, your power of heart is not going to help here. <laughs> There was, uh, I think, somebody created a working uh, a working version of that bike. With that really? Spirit. Yeah. Where, what, I've seen. I think it's like a kit or something that you can do. I don't Let me, know. Uh, vamp, vamp. I'll look it up. Okay. Well, I do want to say, uh, just as an aside, since I'm vamping, watching this reminded me that uh, Akira became so popular with a certain generation in Japan that um, the SNK uh, video game series, The King of Fighters eventually did create a character who is a complete and total homage to Tetsuo, who is named K-49. And K-49 is actually an imperfect clone of the character K-Dash. K-Dash is one of the later heroes in the series um, after... um, you know, row and uh, bef- and you know his. It's in like around King of Fighters 2000, 2001, around then. I'm gonna throw this image into the chat so you guys can see. This is a GIF of one of K49's super attacks, and I think you'll understand kind of how he's a oh, uh, yeah. hmm. a total uh, homage to uh, Tetsuo as uh, you know. And uh, and there's others where he has the red cape and all that, and he's uh, you know crazy and he's nuts and he's got all sorts of all of his specials are all psychic powers and stuff. Well, um, here, it's, here's a link to I- images of different uh, kits and like actual supposed working bikes oh, that wow. people have made. Yeah. Mm, very nice. And I'm assuming in the original Japanese, uh, the stuff was not citizen and canon on the side of the. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure they probably were. Was it? Was it? Hmm. Yeah, I think so because that's that's again that's part of the, uh, you know, it's like so you'll you'll see and uh, and I don't mean this term offensively. If you you see Rice Boys putting Japanese stickers on their uh, their burners here, you know, you'd put English stickers on your bike over there because it's <laughs> it's exotic. Ah. <laughs> we used to maintain a list at Sports Car Club uh, back at Clemson. It's like you know you're a Rice Boy if. And one of them was you go to the speed shop and the first thing you go to is a decal bin. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's one of those ones. It's like, man, I could never, uh, never pull this off. The wife would never allow me to do this with the bike kit. But, uh, yeah, it's it, it, that that bike also is extremely iconic now. I mean, oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, if you you want to see something interesting, go to whatever your favorite print on demand T-shirt site is. I like T Public myself. 
um, because T Public is a little bit friendlier to the artists, from what I understand. But anyway, put in Akira into that search window, and you will find dozens of different iterations of the image of uh, Kaneda walking to his bike mm. for different characters. So that I mean that that's how iconic that image and that bike is that it can be translated to other fandoms very easily and people still get the reference both ways kind of thing. It's uh, it, it's such a great thing because, you know, uh, Tetsuo, when he's when he's on the bike, he talks about it in, in a real way. You know, what it's, it's rev, re, you know, red line is, what kind of power plant it has, why it stalls out. Oh, I shouldn't have shifted because I was below this level on the t- uh, you know, of RPMs. So he talks about it like a real machine. It's not necessarily some fantastical thing, but it's clearly not a real bike. None of the bikes in this movie are. And this one is, you know, the coolest of these cool fantasy bikes. Oh, oh, sorry. Um, let's see. Now... Well, I guess that wraps up the discussion of the movie proper. Um, I had a little thing that um, I knew in the back of my head, and, and I had to think about this for a while, that I remember I've seen, you, you know, can you guys think of anywhere that you have seen images of Akira in other media or, like, in the background? Or um, I have one specific one and that was uh was it back in 19 let me look here when this came out so uh, all right i mean okay 19 yeah. um the michael jackson video screen mm. do you remember that video it was in black and white it had him I and do janet rem- i remember i remember and the video him and janet are dancing around on a spaceship and towards the end, there's when Michael Jackson is playing tennis with like a robotic orb and he's breaking these jars. There's it's flashing with clips of uh, of two animes. One is the series called Zillion and the other is Akira mm. can be seen in the background. And because there's in, in there where Michael Jackson's streaming going ah, and they they have the cut of of, you know, I think it's Kaneda, you know, going, ah, and Tetsuo s- screaming in the background in time with, like, with Jackson singing. So, uh, I don't know how long it's I, been. I, I, it's been years and years and years since I've seen it's, that video. It's it's quick, and it's towards the end, but, but, but it is there. And I did actually go and verify that in the, I looked on the wiki page to see what was, you know, because wiki, that's, that's the, uh, that's the know-all, be-all of all yeah. in, information. So, um, but yeah, that's that's where you can see uh, there's clips in that music video. In the, uh, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to think if I know of any uh, you know uh, references like that to Akira that aren't just you know homages. Well, you brought up the you brought up the attack in the game. Yeah, well, the whole character is you know right. It's pretty. I mean, that's. I mean, you want to talk about getting. Um, Obscure, not not obscure, but like hardcore into like Japanese style gaming. The King of Fighters is it. It's like a fighting game is where where you have to memorize enough commands in order to uh, not not even do special attacks, just do the regular attacks in some okay. of these things. Uh, you know, King of Fighters always kind of appealed to the um, the much more otaku side of it. So it makes sense for them to have ca- a character like this that was clearly a reference to something an otaku would like. Um, I'm trying, to, but I'm trying to think of others beyond that. Well, uh, you you may be more up on this um, um, than than we are. 
Um, the director, Kachiro Otomo. Mm-hmm. If you scroll down through the wiki, go where it says production. And if you read the last paragraph there, it says, Otomo is a big fan of Tetsujin 28 Go. Yes, as which re- is... Uh- Tetsujin 28, uh, Tetsujin 28, Iron Man 28, better known in the uh, in the U.S. as Gigantor, mm-hmm. or uh, Tetsujin 28. It's uh, it was created by uh, um, Mitsutero Yokoyama, who created G- uh, Giant Robo, which was the first uh, generally considered to be the first giant robot series, and uh, it was uh, Tetsujin 28, Iron Man 28. Was uh, like I said most most know it here in the West as Gigantor, but a classic giant Robo anime series. Yeah, there's a few references in there to it. Yeah, uh, a yeah, lot of the characters says, are named. Right, right. It know, says that like uh, the Colonel's name. He shares it with a professor from yeah, Tets- yeah. And Kaneda then, Tetsuo. Those are both names. Um, uh, and then, Ryu is a name from there. Yeah, and, and then uh, the Kira tattoos is- on the hand because mm-hmm. because the kids had they all had like 26, 27, 28, and. Uh, Akira was 28 in the line of psychics, and that matches up to Tetsuin 28. So, you know, things that tie back to each other. Yeah, well, again, that, and that's that's kind of goes to what I was saying earlier about that we always, you know, anime files, we tend to think about how anime influences other things, but not necessarily how other properties influence the anime, mm-hmm. you know. Right. And, you know, uh, so obviously this, you know, uh, uh, Tetsujin 28 was a big influence. And so on Otomo, so he paid homage to it. Now, they you can't get much more different in the subject matter. <laughs> you know, De- Tetsujin 28 is a, a boy and his giant robot fighting other, mo- you know, giant robots. But <laughs> again, I, and I said this before we went on the air, this would have this is a movie that I'm not one to make stereotypes about anime, but man, some giant robots would have fun this up a little bit, wouldn't it? You know, <laughs> that that's just like, oh, dude, like uh, the test subjects gone crazy. Call and die Tetsujin one nine, you know, <laughs> big robot flies in. Dun, 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 <laughs> The, you know, Kaneda and the other uh, the other members of the capsules are all in the little seats in the front. Oh, it's his most powerful attack! You know? <laughs> it's the flesh arm. Oh shit! It's, a, <laughs> it's like reroute all power to the shields. Ah! You know, we can't withstand one more hit like that. Going <laughs> with the bulbous mass attack. Oh, yeah. gross! It's like we need to end this lightning sword. Oh, you know, or God. something like that. <laughs> slice, 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 slice. And it becomes two Tetsuos. <laughs> and K's on the ground, you know, jumping up and down. Yay, yay, yay! But <laughs> looks like Trixie from Speed Racer. But... <laughs> chim Chim. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Chim Chim gets like a big bulbous head and goes ooh, on a killing ooh, rampage. Ooh, 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 ah. He's like shoving people in his mouth, blood flying everywhere. It'd be lovely. But <laughs> Chim Chim and Sprite all merge in the one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this you see that that's part of the problem is that, and and I don't mean this as a problem, but it's it's you know we talked about this over I'm gonna I'm gonna get a little meta here over on the vault of startling monster horror tales of terror, shameless plug. Recently we talked about the movie Scream, and we talked about Scream in the context not only of the film itself but what it begat, okay? And Scream is a fantastic movie, but some of the 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 influences that Scream produced made some really bad movies that kind of took the wrong side of it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think after Akira, 
with this movie being a huge success critically and commercially. I think a lot of the, the animes that started being pushed were ones like, okay, we can't do that childish crap anymore. We need to push the envelope. We need to be hardcore, gore, sex, violence, as much of that as we can do. You know, So you started getting some of these direct-to-video stuff in the U.S. in the 90s that that's all it was. You know, the, the popular one to make fun of for bad animes from the 90s is M.D. Geist. You know, I don't know if you guys remember that one or not, but it says mindless violence for, you know, like 80 minutes or whatever it is. <laughs> and and it's just people inevitably, you know, when something is popular, people will rip it off. And a lot of times they rip off the wrong part of it. You know, uh, it's not necessarily the the violence and the gore that makes Akira good. Those are elements of it because it's shocking and different. But it's not that's not why it was a success. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So for a while we got away from our super robots and our you know uh, ra- you know race car kids and and you know, more traditional um, and anime stuff and and then it took a while before those old classics were kind of rediscovered and people was like hey there's a reason why this stuff is good you know it's because it's good you know but yeah. for a while that was you know that was the joke about anime in this country is that it uh, you know it was uh, you know saucer-eyed chicks and uh, speed lines and and lots of uh, blood and gore and swearing. Because that was Akira, right? You know, with saucer eyed chicks and speed lines and blood and gore and swearing. And to the point where I remember there was a rumor going around in the 90s. I mentioned this earlier that Nausicaa the Valley was uh, re-edited into the film Warriors of the Wind. And that there was a, um, you know, there was this big rumor that, oh, one of the scenes that was cut was this hardcore sex scene. And it's like, not even close. <laughs> but that, that was what the cliche had become. Hmm. Well, I only had one more thing that I wanted to cover real quick, and we kind of covered it earlier. If we were going to cast this, who would we think uh, nowadays that we might want to cast in the film? In a live action, you mean? Yeah. Oh, God. I know we did that with Star Blazers. But... <laughs> and maybe this that's hard, though, because... Maybe that's a little too, too, too much to dig in tonight. Maybe we'll just leave that for when we actually post it up on the... Wanna... Uh, I'd almost want a cast of unknowns. You don't want anyone That's you true. recognize in this. Really? Know? Yeah. Well, maybe one person for the colonel. <laughs> yeah. You know, you could play the colonel, the guy who plays um, um, General Talbot on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He played uh, <laughs> Nathan Petrelli on Heroes. He could be the colonel. He could yell <laughs> yeah. a lot, you know. Yeah, I could see that, yeah. <laughs> or or uh, maybe uh, Wilford Brimley. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the beat us. <laughs> <laughs> he won't grow old. He won't ever die. <laughs> He's got the psychobetus. <laughs> Fuck, not the psychobetus. No. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I guess. Uh, um, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I'll, I'll edit that part out. Okay, <laughs> yeah, maybe I won't. Um, so, our next endeavor. What are we gonna do, Gene? Well, next time on all new Anime Freaks, we'll be starting on Record of Lodos War. Oh, and because remember we'll we've be, been we've been yes, hijacked and hornswoggled. Yes, we have we have been given an ultimatum by the producer, and we'll be alternating. So next episode will be Record of Lotus War, and the episode after that will be Attack on Titan, mm. and then we'll be going back and forth between the two. 
So really, two things very thematically similar. Yes. Okay. Yes, of course. <laughs> yes. And then we're gonna, and then every third episode will be Doraemon again, just to keep the theme. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently Paul was threatened by his children, or, or actually, we were threatened by Paul's children because yes. Yes. they want him to start watching uh, Attack on Titan. And uh, they say that they didn't know about our vote, and they would have voted, and they would have probably put it over, but we'd already committed to the other, so we're going to yeah. alternate and do both. So. And Wrecker Lotus Wars only 13 episodes, so that's going to get over pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, are you going to do the second series of that, or just the first? We're just going to do the first. Initially, we may circle back to the uh, Chronicles of the Heroic Knight later. But just just the first record of Lotus War for this time. Yep. Well, and and just a, a real quick thing on Attack on Titan for those of us, uh, those of you who may not be familiar with it, um, at Free Comic Book Day this year there was in fact an Attack on Titan anthology book mm. uh, among the freebies. So little short stories set in the Attack on Titan universe by various creators. It's a pretty cool little book. So uh, if you didn't pick that up on Free Comic Book Day, inquire at your favorite local comic shop and see maybe they might have a copy still uh just to get yourself uh you know get a, a taste of what uh, attack on titan is because attack on titan is a phenomena a, a taste point that is yes that a, a taste yes is, a pun is, is <laughs> a two true freaks imagine that uh, I mean, and for those of you who haven't seen it it's giant human beings eating people is what and, i've seen and, and just to you know again shameless plug for a destruction directive they made a tokusatsu movie out of it Oh, that's right, they so, did. So Good. that's how popular it is. It used to be that you had a manga that was popular, and they well, made an maybe, anime out of it. Maybe we'll have to do. A, maybe we'll have to do a crossover. If if it become if I can get it here in the states, right now it's not available commercially in the states. So, um, but yes, I, that that is something to keep on um, on the um, on the books for down the line. I think. Mm. Um, actually, the, the crew that did Attack on Titan is the same crew that is doing the new Shin Gojira, aka Godzilla Resur uh, Resurgence. A oh. live-action film that the trailer was released for a couple of weeks ago, um, where everybody lost their mind because Goji had a long tail. It's like, <sighs> <laughs> it's like not just anime fans are nuts. I'm just going to put that out there, guys. Right. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but hey, guys, I wanted to say thank you very much for having me on to discuss Akira. This was a real treat to have an excuse to pull this uh, this tape off the shelf, and I mean that literally, as I said, and uh, just to sit down and, and watch this film. It really brought me back to being, like I said, uh, 14 years old and really kind of getting into anime for the first time, really discovering a lot of this stuff beyond just, you know, um, uh, Robotech and Voltron, that sort of thing. And I really enjoyed revisiting it. This film really holds up. It's it's a classic of the of the uh, the genre and the medium for a reason, and that's because it truly is a classic. Thank you very much, guys. Oh, sure. No problem. You're you. more Thank than you. welcome. <laughs> Well, you know, your your thanks mean more than anything, Adam. I really mean that. As <laughs> as the two guests on uh, Luke, you've already mentioned uh, Earth Destruction Directive. You're also on uh, Vault of Starling, Monster Horror, Tales of Terror, on Back to the Bins. What else are you? I think uh, you do the occasional long play as well. Yes, I think I that about covers play. it. That's all my regular shows. I do do uh, I do guest spot. I do do. What is it exactly do, that you do? Do do da 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 is all I want to say to you. <laughs> wow. 
I'll put a message in a bottle, but the um, now that, those are my main places you can find me. All those are available on 2TrueFreaks.com. Uh, I also have my rarely to never updated Hawkman blog, Being Carter Hall, at beingcarterhall.blogspot.com. And uh, I also would like to take a moment to plug my brother's show, Bots, Bugs, and Babes, which is the uh, the new B-movie podcast, also on Two True Freaks. And I only want to plug this because not only is my brother on it, the last two episodes my father has also been on it. Yes, and, he is. Uh, and my, my friend Adam sent me a message and said, it's amazing, the three of you all sound exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine so that. Please, please go check that out. My, my brother will, uh, will appreciate your uh, consumption of his program. And Adam, I believe uh, you are with my uh, illustrious co-host, on the uh, the Quasar. Correct. Uh, Gene and I do the Quantum Cast, which is the uh, dedicated to the Kevin Bacon of the Marvel Universe, which would be Quasar. Um, I also do a little show that you might have heard of called the Bad Advice Show. It's the most dangerous show in podcasting, and we try to help make the world a better place by answering questions that people either email into us or send us links to on Yahoo Answers or Blurtit.com or one of the other Ask the Internet websites and my panelist of ex- of experts <laughs> really give a lot of thought and clarity to problems that most people need to some of the, uh, get some advice on. Some of the same guys that are in Comic Book Flight, Fight Club when that uh, might pop back up too. Correct, correct. Uh, Comic Book Fight Club is on hiatus because... Well, it's just a pain in the ass to do. It's just it's a it's a hard show to do. It takes a long time to uh, to record. It takes even longer to edit, and that's Gene's department for that show. Uh, and frankly, we've been just having so much fun doing uh, the Bad Advice Show. Cool. Uh, well, I mean, I'm good. Uh, Gene, you got anything else for tonight? No, Today? I think tomorrow. <laughs> Whenever you're listening. Whenever you're listening. No, I think we're good right now. So we'll uh, have to get together and figure out what we're doing with Record of Lowe's War and Attack on Titan and how we're going to cover it. But other than, for right now, I think we're going to wrap it up. All righty. Well, take Great. care, everybody. We'll see you later. Good night. Thanks for having me on. Tatsuo! Good night. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com. 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, 
please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. world of none, no thing.